you have to do? <laughs> burning up. Oh, they're fucking inside of me. Fucking crawling inside of me. It's gonna be okay. Oh, it's not. Welcome to the afterlife. Oh, God, it's not. It's not gonna be okay, Charlotte. You need to leave me. I'm not gonna leave you, Lizzie. Charlotte, listen to me. Something is wrong. Something is wrong with me. Lizzie, I know. That's why we need to get you help. No, but I'm dying. Don't you understand? No, that? I don't understand. But that. I am. I'm Remember me? I'm back again. Oh, I need to vape real quick. I'm sorry. Hold on. Well, you know what happens now. Oh, good God. What the fuck is going on? Hey, how's it going? It's me, Unk. Um, how are y'all you today? I'm still in rehab, and well, I I don't I don't even fucking know anymore. My life is just always busy, twenty four seven. I'm basically working forty hours a week. Uh, I get out of work, I shower, I eat a late plate of dinner, or go buy dinner. And then I go to a meeting, and then I go home at 9, and I do a bunch of homework, and then I go to bed. And that's just basically been me on repeat every single day, almost. And the days I don't go to meetings, I still do homework, or I pull myself aside and do this silly podcast. So I, it's crazy to go from having this life where... You're basically a drug addict, and you do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, mainly you're just getting drugs, and you're going on these crazy bullshit adventures to obtain drugs. And then my second part-time job would be, if if applicable, uh, trying to hide the fact that I was on drugs from those around me. <laughs> it was a very hunter-gatherer kind of lifestyle, and wherever the day took me, that's where it was. But now, after, 
I don't know, rehabilitating myself, air quotes. Um, now I have all these schedules and this and that and deadlines and responsibilities, and I'm just thrust into the world. I mean, I'm still at rehab and I still get drug tested. So there's a certain amount of accountability, but man, it's, it just fucking life has just smacked me in the face. So I, oh, and by the way, today I got my first paycheck. So applause to me. Yes, I got paid. It feels pretty damn good. Um, having some kind of self-sufficiency. I also, the other day, took my 10-month sobriety chip. So more applause to me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I, I don't fucking really care about chips and clean time. Um, so I always like forget that I need to take a chip. So I I'll take, I took like an eighth and nine month chip in the same meeting. And then like three days later, I was like, Oh fuck. Now it's my 10 month chip. So I had to get on top of that. But the reason I don't give a fuck about clean time, I mean, I give a fuck and it's something to like, okay, be, uh, be proud of yourself. You're not shooting up heroin and meth anymore, but it's like, I know just one mistake will all that clean time will go out the window. So it's like every day I have to like do things to keep me on top of my game, mainly my perception. Cause my perception is my own worst fucking enemy. And I always have to check that, keep that in check. Uh, and anytime I get depressed or have negative thoughts, I have to fucking snap myself out of it and be like, oh, you're doing it again, Unc. You need to stop being a fucking sorry, motherfu- <laughs> sorry motherfucker and just, like, be grateful for shit and be, I guess, optimistic. Or It's kind of like that meme where um, there's a guy in a car and he's looking at some guy in a sports car and he's like, oh, that guy's car is so much nicer than mine. And then the next frame is a guy on a bike looking at the guy in the shit car, saying, oh, I wish I had a car. And then the fourth frame is like a guy in a wheelchair looking at the guy on the bike. And he's like, oh, he can go wherever he wants, wherever he wants. So it's, I know it's just like, I have to not always look at the negative aspect of, or focus on all the things I don't have and just be grateful for the things I do have. And it's like, well, I fucking have a job. I got paid today. I took a chip and I got home and I got a, I, I fucking went out, got a free coffee from my homegirl and then we had dinner. So I'm fed, I'm caffeinated, I'm clean, I have money in the bank, like I have my car, I can legally drive, I have my license and insurance and, if, and my registration's up to date so if I get pulled over I don't have to worry about shit. It's like I have a roof over my head. It's like, what do I have to fucking complain about? But apparently, I seem to find a million reasons to complain about shit. So I really need to, like, always step outside of myself and look at my life as, like, in the third person, as if I were someone else, and be like, you don't have it so bad. Because I'm, I mean, real shit, there's days that go by, some days, and I'm just depressed and thinking like the worst th- thoughts about myself or about my situation. 
And if I fucking marinate on that and let it manifest, it just grows like cancer. And then I'll, I mean, my prediction, if I don't correct that mentality is I'd probably numb out. Um, so, but today I'm good. Uh, but I wanted to cover a few topics mainly, well, first, I mean, I'm going to tell a really dark war story. This war story is the last time I overdosed. Uh, didn't need Narcan for this. It did require me getting punched in the face repeatedly to come out of it. And I want to get into that because this morning I scrolled through my timeline and I looked at my Facebook memories. God, I don't know why I do that shit because a lot of them are just horrible. But I saw a post and it was my one year to the day. What the, what's the day? Today's, I'm recording on Wednesday, 1030 at night. But hold on. It's Wednesday, February 19th. So it's my year anniversary from the last time I overdosed ever. So I thought, wow, well, what a great story to tell. But it is pretty dark. And just to throw it out there, uh, I will have to leave some names and some situations and omit them from the story for, you know, privacy issues of people involved. And there are certain things I don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about on the podcast, but I will try and divulge as much of the story as possible. This story I'm about to tell is of my last overdose, and this is a very dark period in my life. Didn't start that way. The relapse was supposed to be fun, and it was on my last birthday, January 16th of 2019. You know, I was doing good. I had just had already had an overdose, you know, like a few, like a month or two prior. And I, and I was able to accumulate like, you know, uh, I think almost 60 days or about 60 days. And my birthday hits and I have, you know, I have like this online, like recovery support group that I'm, you know, talking to. And I am part of this Facebook group that will go unnamed, but um, it was a lot of people who were in, you know, supportive of each other and helping each other through hard times if they're having like, you know, triggers or cravings or this or that and helping people in early recovery, you know, get back on track and, and just be there for one another. And by the way, I usually don't like Facebook groups. I don't, I don't like camp out on Facebook groups and, and, and get integrated in a community like that online. But I really reached out to these people and made some really solid friendships with them. And I, <laughs> I ended up getting friendly with a girl on there who will remain nameless. We can call her, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know. What the fuck? I can't release her name. We'll call her... Uh, I don't know. F-girl. We'll call her F-girl. Because she was from another... She, lived in, she lives in another country. And she had just overdosed. And was getting into an inpatient and getting treatment. And wow, just thinking of this story reminded me. I just saw this... <laughs> trailer for this documentary it's called the 13th step and it's about well i it's about fucking people who 13th step each other (laughs) and hook up they go to meetings and they hook up with other people in the meetings and for anyone who doesn't go to meetings that shit happens all the fucking time people get clean and they start hooking up with people in meetings. (laughs) I don't know why. Maybe our libidos just fucking go through the roof after we cut off drugs for like the first few months. Uh, But I know this happens. I know firsthand. I would see it happen in meetings all the time. People get clicky. People get close to each other. And then people start hooking up with one another. I did it. I've seen girls do it to guys. I've seen guys do it to girls. It's a mutually like... Like, it's equal. It's an equal thing. Everyone does it. Everyone's fucking everybody <laughs> at meetings. So um, it just reminded me because we, me and this girl were talking and we were getting, like, really close. We had about the same clean time in the, and we were chatting through this Facebook group and we became friends online. And um, she eventually told somebody that she was going to 13th step me. <laughs> and... Uh, I took that as I was flattered, like, oh, cool, she's cute, I'm into her. Um, I mean, she doesn't even live in the fucking country, so I don't know why my delusional ass thought, like, we would ever hook up, uh, but whatever, dude, I was a fucking, I was a fucking idiot. So, you know, we're talking and getting real close. My birthday hits, and I don't know what the fuck came over me, I guess, you know, because like I relapse when times are tough. I relapse when things are going great. I find any and every excuse to go back and relapse. So at this time I'm doing good. I got a 60-day chip. I have all these good people in my inner circle online and, you know, in like person. And I end up getting a message from a friend And she's like, what are you doing? It's your birthday. Happy birthday. And we decide to hang out for the day. And I, and I know she's using like, and so I'm like, yeah, let's fucking get loaded. And I I think back then I really didn't think I had a, like, I never really recognized I was or identified as an addict. I just thought I like to get high and that's that's who I am. I like to get loaded and that's what my life is now. So I basically drive up, pick up this girl, we get loaded and have a great day. You know, I fucking, we drive and she goes over to get a tattoo. Um, at one point at the end of the day, we drive and meet up with 
this fucking guy that we both knew. We was like this this girl who's a friend of mine. She has her her boyfriend's like in jail, and she's selling drugs and doing drugs. And so we're driving around being super high. And at uh, one point, she goes to re-up in this parking lot in Atascadero. And this third person that we knew from drug court who had been kicked out um, pulls up in a car. And we score some more drugs, heroin and meth, obviously. And he, we chat for like literally 30 seconds, and he drives off. <laughs> Like, immediately after he drives off, some lady runs out of a subway in this parking lot and literally is pointing at our friend and saying, he stole my car, he stole my fucking car, and then points at us like we were had something to do with it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, fuck, to my friend, like, we are getting blamed. She thinks we stole the car, too. And our friend took off in the car. It's like, don't. So I was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. So we jump in my car because they're running after us trying to like, I don't know, perform a citizen's arrest or some shit. And they're across the parking lot. And I'm like, fuck, we got to go. So we jump in my car and we peel out of there. (laughs) This is all on my birthday and I'm super loaded. And I'm just like, fuck. So now we're taking back roads to like get out of there. Because we don't know if the cops are, like, looking for us or what. And we end up calling our the, our friend who we bought drugs off. And we're like, what the fuck? Did you just steal that woman's car and then immediately just come right up to us and fucking sell us drugs? Are you fucking brain dead? And he later got arrested for stealing that car. <laughs> so anyway, I drop off my friend. And I go back home. And it was a fun birthday. You know, I, I wasn't insanely loaded so at the time you know I had just relapsed I was able to like hide it from everybody but I ended up I ended up basically just going back on a run and now I'm like okay well now I'm obviously don't have I never even recognized that it was gonna get bad you know I was like I don't have a problem at this point, I, I I don't know what the fuck was wrong with me. I never really connected in my mind. I, I went through countless uh, uh, times of getting arrested, going to jail, countless court-ordered drug programs. And throughout all of that, I was just thinking, no, I don't have a problem. I can white-knuckle it through a drug program and graduate, and then I'll go back to using. And I never for it never once occurred to me like, oh, you're a fucking addict. <laughs> so stupid. But anyway, I'm like on and off of dope and eventually it gets the best of me and now I'm just on a sick run. And so I'm trying to hide this from everybody, all my friends, all my family, all the people I go to meetings with, including hiding this fucking like me being high to all my friends online, which is a little easier to do because you're not in like their physical presence. But I'm still talking to this girl online and we're flirting with each other and things are getting more intimate where, you know, she's sending me nudes and we're like sexting each other and just weird, crazy shit. And she asks for a dick pic. And I, I mean, just throwing this out there, I'm really not one that just goes and sends dick pics 
even if someone asks me for a dick pic, I usually am like, no, I don't need, there's enough weird photos of me floating around on the internet or on ex-girlfriend's cell phones and God knows what they did with them, you know, when I've been high in the past. So, but she talks me into sending a dick pic and she sends me like videos of her doing things, touching herself and shit. And you know, we, we get super intimate and connected with each other. And she even goes so far as saying, yeah, if you fucked me and you got me pregnant, I'd keep the baby and just weird shit like that. And then, I mean, when you're in like semi in early recovery and in a relapse after that shit affects you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why I thought I should shouldn't or didn't occur to me to like set boundaries and be like, okay, you live in another country. We're in early recovery. I don't even really know you that well. We should fucking put the brakes on, (laughs) you know, like, but I really like this girl. And so my drug use starts to get worse and worse to the point that you know, I'm getting in fights with my parents. You know, at one point, my dealer comes over and he he fucking, like, stealing shit from my house. Literally fucking came to my house one day while my parents were gone. When this was when I was staying with my parents. And he fucking, like, steals, like, all this dumb random shit. Like, a Ziploc bag full of batteries. I mean, he was a fucking tweaker extraordinaire. But he stole like a Ziploc of batteries. He stole a, a motion sensing light outside. Literally like we're getting high and I don't know. I'm doing who knows what in my room tweaking out on shit. High on goofballs. And him and his buddy like get tools and fucking take off a mounted fucking motion sensor light at on the side of our house. And so my parents would be like, what happened to the light? And I, I would be like, I don't know. I was too busy, like going out and finding drugs. And finally shit hit the fan where this guy who I'm buying dope off of and who's like giving me dope for rides. Uh, I mean, I would fucking, I, I cracked QuickBooks Pro once and I was like literally forging fake pay stubs for dealers to get free grams of heroin and meth and shit like it, it, and then I would like photoshop pink slips of cars and take my dealer's mom's name off the pink slip so it's just in his name I, I was doing scandalous shit for free dope and so he comes over once and he says he's going out to his car. He ends up going through my house and stealing to my some of my parents' Christmas presents that I just got for Christmas. Like my mom got a Bluetooth speaker, and my dad got these really sick, like Bluetooth headphones. And he stole that. He stole my fucking parents' Christmas presents. So my mom ends up, you know just knocking on my door and screaming at me. Think She thinks I stole the shit. And so I feel horrible about this, but I get in this big argument with my mom because I'm high as a fucking kite in my room. I'm usually just locked in my room, super loaded. Don't come out, try and come out for dinner and force eat some shit. And um, we get in this huge fight and like it, it's bad and it's ugly and I storm out of the ha- out of the house I fucking and then it like I'm locked out of the house so I like fucking 
pound on the door to let get let back in because I know I have like loaded rigs in my room and I'm like I don't want them going in my room and finding it so I rush back my room I lock myself in my room and I'm like messaging this girl from another country and like it's like sobbing and crying and like I'm just like fucking traumatized because when my mom gets mad she sees fucking red and she goes off like there's no calming her down I mean this is when me and my mom were like on edge with each other because she knew something was up with me I mean she knew I was fucking just out of my mind and doing crazy shit I don't think she knew the exact specifics or maybe she did I think my youngest sister had told her about my last overdose so you know she knew I was having problems with drugs and shit's missing in the house, so obviously that's a fucking telltale sign that someone is fucking a crazy drug addict. But so she was just fed up with me and went off on me, and I, I was just like, what the fuck? Because I literally, God's honest truth, didn't steal that shit. And I know for a fact this dude was stealing shit because I'd hear from friends like, oh yeah, he came over with a bunch of that exact shit. So I was just like, God damn it, dude. And so I'm messaging this girl... And, like, it's painfully apparent I'm high. And she had asked me a few times before if I was getting loaded, and I lied about it and, you know, denied it because there's a lot of shame and guilt tied to fucking relapsing. And I didn't, you know, I know from how I've been treated in the past for relapsing you know, back then I didn't consider it relapsing. I just thought, oh, I'm going to start using drugs again. But I know how that feels. I know how, and I, and I like this girl. I, I mean, she's in early recovery, and I don't want to like trigger her, but I also don't want to like upset her or fuck up like the close intimate relationship we have. Which is like, in, in hindsight, I'm like, dude, we're we live we live across the fucking world from one another. It's so stupid. Anyway, so, and then there was another instance where, like, we would, like, FaceTime or Skype, and, you know, the time zones are so different, like, daytime for her is, like, nighttime for me, so I'd be, like, falling asleep, and she'd think I was nodding out or something, and she'd, like, constantly try and, like, ask me, like, are you getting high, and I'd say no. So finally, at this point, I'm on, like... I, I cut off ties with the dealer who's stealing from my house. I start hanging out with other dealers and drug users. And my license is completely suspended. So I'm too paranoid to really drive too far of a distance to score fucking heroin and meth. So, and I don't have that much money. I'm not working. You know, I, so I let people drive my car. So they can sell drugs. <laughs> and so I'm in the back seat of my car getting free drugs while they're driving around and making deals and taking care of errands. And I'm getting super high. And I'm like sick. I'm At this point, I'm on, it's not just a relapse anymore. I'm on a sick run and I will be sick if I don't constantly feed the monkey and do like a certain amount of drugs every day. So... You know, it just got to this point where I went from having this tight inner circle of people around me who had my best interest for me to hanging out with all these nefarious people who steal from one another and fuck each other over and do crazy, scandalous, shady shit because 
they have to get money to get well and they will do whatever it takes to do that and I was still in this naive fucking sense that like I saw the good in those people (laughs) and I tried to do good to them because I knew they had what I wanted but I also was just like just completely fucked out of my mind because a lot of this memory is such a blur because you know when if you're just shooting up heroin that's one thing but now when you're like mixing your drugs and shooting them up like putting coke in it or especially putting meth in it and you've been up for three days you're so warped and your brain is so fried everything becomes a blur it's almost like slow motion and fast motion all at the same time and it's really hard to make sense of the world around you because you're fucking so fucking high and so out there especially when you don't sleep for days your eating schedules are all off you just fucking literally lose your mind and I would be in weird psychosis like all the time you know so finally at one point I'm of this story I'm so strung out I do I do a fucking an issue. I shoot up some heroin and meth and I miss the shot and I end up getting staph infections on my face. Now, how I got staph infections on my face, I I don't have the medical explanation for why because I mean I shot up in a vein in my bicep. So how it's not like I shot up in my face, but I got these big fucking staph like scabs all over my face. So bad that my eye, my what was it my right eye was swollen shut. And at this point, I'm just like a fucking mess, dude. Like I have these scabs that aren't healing. And my parents are looking at me like, you need to go to the fucking hospital. And I'm like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And at this point, they're trying to get me to go to some kind of outpatient program or do this or that or anything. They tried to get me to go to one program, but they were like only a program that made like they made you take Suboxone or Methadone. And I was like, I'm not getting on that shit because that's a fucking those are handcuffs in itself. And coming down off those is worse than the drugs I'm on. So it gets to the point where, yeah, I have to like my parents make me go to fucking see a doctor and get some antibiotics because the staff is so bad and I'm literally just looking horrible. And at this point, I'm so like depressed and just just defeated. I talk to this girl online and, and I come clean and I'm, I'm messaging her and I'm like, how's it going? And basically, I, I was like, I'm not doing well. And she's like, well, why? And I tell her that I relapsed finally, come clean to her. And she did not react well, (laughs) you know, I think she knew, but just, I, you know, I mean, she couldn't like actually prove it. And so she didn't, she went, she just fucking kind of went off on me. And, uh, I think at first she was just like, you know, didn't, she just like distanced herself from me. But then after the like initial, like, uh, like the realization of it all hit her. She went like throughout the days, she just went off on me, you know, it was so fucking hurtful and malicious and, you know, fuck you. And I can't believe anything you say and this and that. I, I don't trust you. 
And uh, I was just getting um, defensive as fuck about it and trying to play the victim and doing all this other dumb shit that I realize now. I was just like, this is all my fault. I created this situation. So at this point, I'm trying to get into some kind of outpatient. I finally find an outpatient program and I'm signing up for it. And I get the news that... Uh, an old friend of mine had overdosed and died. So I'm really upset about this because this friend of mine that passed away from an overdose, we had a falling out and we hadn't talked to each other in like two and a half, three years. I heard, I found out about it from, you know, our, you know, mutual friends and basically the situation was this was a friend I used to do shows and DJ with and we both fucked each other over. He, we'd get high together, we'd DJ and do shows together and I ended up, you know, in the past, God, I can't believe I'm committing this. I'm a horrible person, everybody. Or was, I'm trying to be better, but I ended up hooking up with his sister and he found out about it and he ended up getting strung out and we were both getting strung out but you know this was years ago years ago but he stole a bunch of like dj equipment from uh, a venue that was like not just mine but a bunch of we had like this crazy dj circle of friends and he, we did a show, and he was there. And he, I mean, he was always weird around me after he found out I, I had sex with his sister. And so we had this falling out. And we, you know, we hadn't talked in three years. And, um, you know, I, I assumed he had blocked me because I couldn't find his profile. But this guy has passed away. And basically, I'm sitting in outpatient. Trying to, trying to take all this in, waiting for like this intake interview for this outpatient program. And um, I was just like, just distraught. I was just like, wow, this is surreal. My One of my friends is dead. Not only is he dead, but I never got the chance to make things right with him. I don't know anything about the situation other than people just said, yeah, he, he died. He basically shot up in a park, passed out, and they found his dead body in, um, in the park the next day down in Southern California. And so I get a message from F girl, <laughs> the girl who is just like hates me now after I came clean about a relapse. And she's like, I oh got, I don't even remember. She was like, you're doing a lot of fucking shit posting on Facebook for someone who's supposed to get into a program. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, leave me alone. I'm literally in the waiting room of this outpatient program right now. And she's like, whatever, you're a liar. And I saw her make a post about, she also had a friend that had passed away. I'm assuming from an overdose. And so I was just like trying to be nice and said, you know, I saw you, I saw your post about your friend and I just wanted to say I'm sorry for your loss. I recently had a friend that passed away as well. And she was like, you're a liar. 
you better not be making this up. I don't believe in anything you say. And and I was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm literally trying to do an outpatient. I mean, I was doing an outpatient for all the wrong reasons, basically just to get people off my back. At this point, I'm still, like, not even coming to the conclusion, like, I have a serious issue with shooting up drugs. Thank God my phone dies because I was just like, fuck, I can't deal with her right now. She's harassing me. I'm telling her to leave me alone. And so I go and I I fill out this fucking application and I'm going to start this outpatient program, which I never showed up for, which I'll and I'll explain why. So I get home and I start getting into this argument with her through fucking messenger. Like, what the fuck? I'm now that I like am recapping this whole experience. I'm realizing how stupid I was. I definitely wasn't in the right. But she is arguing with me, and I'm telling her, "Leave me alone, please, leave me alone." And she's got it in her head that I'm fucking. I don't know, fabricating like this whole fucking story and literally demands that I dox my friend who had died and give her all his information, like his full name and this and that. And I was just so shocked. Like you're going to, you were demanding that I give you my dead friend's personal information and it, from what I had heard from, like our like mutual friends, his parents wouldn't let any of his friends go to his funeral. They they knew me, I knew the family, and they knew his friends. A lot of them were just crazy drug users, so it was like no one. Because I, I was asking about like, oh, when is the 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 memorial service and they're like no one's allowed to go the parents don't want anyone there but family and um this this friend who i still don't want to release information about for the reason that his parents were kind of very traditional and they held a lot of i don't know embarrassment about him dying from overdose they didn't want his information out there that their son died from a drug overdose. So they kind of wanted to, I, from what I would heard from people, they wanted to sweep this thing under the rug and just mourn, you know, in peace. And, and I respect that. Like, yeah, cool. Like, you want to fucking mourn your fucking son's death without, like, you know, everyone talking about it or this or that. Like, okay, I'll respect that. So they didn't want all this information out there. So knowing that and having this girl who I you know, used to really, really like, I was offended. And I'm like, first of all, I was like, well, you're, I was like, how dare you accuse me of fucking making up a friend dying? Like, who the fuck does that? And not only that, fuck you for even like, I, I was like, yeah, I get it. I was dishonest about a relapse, but you now you're saying everything I say is a lie. Like, fuck off. Leave me alone. Don't ever talk to me again. This and that. And so we have this big fucking crazy argument. And then it just explodes. Our relationship explodes into nothingness. You know, now we're, you know, we both are just like hate each other, you know. So at this point, I'm feeling really low. 
And um, I failed to mention this, but whenever I got an opportunity to, I would do these drug deals. They were weed deals, but I would go and middleman from these growers up in Mendo, Sino, and Humboldt County, or growers from all over that I knew who would need to unload pounds of weed, and I would connect them to dispensaries in L.A. And so I would do this to make side money because I wasn't working, and I needed money, especially for heroin and meth. So I'd broker these deals and do all these side hustles, and so I got an opportunity to, at this point, I got, I got a call from someone and got an opportunity to do this. Now, I, and I, I jumped at it. I was like, fuck it, dude. I'm going to go make a bunch of money and fucking get really high. And that's going to be that because I'm just f- so fed up with fucking what's going on in my life right now. I can't, at this, in this podcast, divulge what exactly happened. But this weed deal went totally bad. It was fucking horrible. And I wish I could tell the specifics of what happened. I'm not, but for a lot of reasons, I can't talk about it. So this weed deal goes south. It's just, it goes to shit. I make it back to my house and I am just fucked up in the head over everything that's going on. At this point, I get a I get a text from a friend saying, "Hey, I got a bunch of fucking heroin and meth, a bunch of dope, and I don't have anywhere to do it. And um, can I come over and I'll give you some?" So at this point, I'm I'm just like, "Yeah." I was just like, "Uh." Okay, and and my parents are out of town, right? So I have the whole house to myself. And um, I reach out to this girl, who F girl, who I knew from this Facebook group. And uh, at this point, she's blocked me on all social medias. I'm not even talking to her. I, t- I was been, like, our last conversation was like, leave me the fuck alone, don't ever talk to me again. But yet she blocks me. But And I'm still, like, kind of heartbroken over this whole thing. I'm just, like, well, fucked in the head. You know, I felt hurt, betrayed, all that shit. And I was not even looking at my role or my cause in this whole falling out between this girl who I liked. And I had this such fucking, like, delusions in my head about, like, about validation and expectations and not... and, And... victim blaming myself and I was just I mean for anyone listening like these are the events that happened but now that I'm even bringing up this whole story that's I've only thought about in my head and haven't really talked to too many people about I recognize now this whole situation is entirely my fault I caused it I made decisions that affected me and created and shaped this reality around me right but at the time I'm just in my own head thinking it's everyone else's fault that my life is a mess. And now in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, having 10 months clean, I'm like, yeah, totally everything my fault. Now, I don't excuse how, like, this girl reacted. I mean, but 
at the same time, I don't blame her for being pissed at me. I don't blame my mom for being pissed at me. I was a piece of shit. I was inviting people over that were stealing from the house. I was fucking being dishonest and lying about getting high. And so the fact that all these people are upset at me, I take the blame for it. I'm a piece of shit. This is my fault. But anyway, this guy is about to come over and we're about to do drugs. And so I reach out to this girl, F girl, through an email saying, first of all, sending one email apologizing, saying, hey, I'm sorry. I, what I did was wrong. And I send out one a more email saying, look, I am in a really bad place right now. And I'm thinking I might relapse. Someone is offering me drugs. Can you just talk to me and help me in this situation? I'm in a really dark, low place. And this girl screenshots these emails. They're not malicious. They're not like in any way, like, like talking shit. I'm just, I'm first of all, apologizing and reaching out for help. She screenshots these and sends them to the admins or moderators at the Facebook group that we had met on and claimed it was harassment. And so because of that, I get kicked from this Facebook group full of my online recovery support community. Literally the only people in my life that are a positive influence on my life. Everyone in my physical world now are all drug addicts and horrible. And literally the only people I have to reach out with are I communicate with online, you know? I, I fucking got scabs on my face. It's, I mean, I'm not, there's no way I'm showing up to a meeting. You know, I, I tried to get a sponsor. <laughs> didn't end up doing anything he told me to do, you know? So I just slowly phased out of meetings and I'm just a fucking mess. So after that, I and after all this shit that happened, this horrible fucking weed deal gone wrong that I wish I could talk about, hopefully one day I will. All this trauma, heartbreak, everything just, you know, scabs on my face, mom yelling at me. This was just like one of my rock bottoms, you know? And I'd already relapsed multiple times and overdosed. Like I, I had these relapse overdoses and I'm still so fucking out of my mind. I think I don't have a problem. This is how bad my last run was. And so I'm like, okay, I just got kicked. Like by the, the only positive thing that I had to help me with like my issues is gone. I, at the time, that's what I thought. And I thought, all this other, all this shit is, all these problems are building and surmounting on myself. And I'm just stuck in this depression. I was like, I was just like, fuck it, dude. I, I'm going to get really fucking high. So I was like, yeah, come over. Let's get loaded. And uh, my friend comes over and he has a ginormous amount of heroin and meth. And he breaks me off a bunch and I cook all of it up that he gives me. Like, I'm not really, I, I don't know exactly how much it was, but it was way more than I should have done. I fucking dropped the entire shot out of the cooker, heroin and meth mixed together, giant chunk of tar, a giant shard of meth, cook it, throw the cotton in, draw it up, it's, 
It's darker than what I usually do. And I drop the whole thing in a 100cc syringe. And I stick it in my arm. And I draw back the plunger. I see that little crimson red mushroom cloud of blood enter the barrel of the syringe, fully registered. And I stick my thumb over the plunger. And I push the whole fucking thing in my arm. And the first, you know, I pulled it out, cleaning out my fucking syringe with water, you know, spraying pentagrams of like water and blood on my shorts. I feel the rush and the rush gets a little stronger and it keeps getting stronger. And at one point I'm like, okay, if I, if this rush doesn't peak soon, I'm going to get way too high, and I know I'm going to have done too much. Uh, I close my eyes, and I'm trying to, like, keep together. Like, not, I'm, like, trying to will myself from overdosing, you know? And it fades to black, and shit is dark. And that's what happens when you overdose. You, everything fades to black. There's no fucking light. There's no like, oh, you're in heaven now. There's no out-of-body experience, at least not for me. It's just dark, black nothingness. And it time ceases to exist. It felt like you fall asleep and you're dreaming, and all you see around you is nothing, and it's darkness, and it's scary. But it was for like a split second. I don't know how long I was out for because I start to feel my head constantly jerking to the left. And I finally open my eyes and everything is blurry and my face feels super wet. Uh, apparently my friend was had saw me fall out and he was punching me literally in the face to to sna to wake me up, snap me out of it. Thank God it was, you know, a situation where I didn't need Narcan. I just needed to be punched in the face repeatedly to get brought out of it. And uh, my face was covered in blood. That was the wet feeling on my face. Uh, I split my lip. My nose was bleeding, and I was on my back. And the no, like since my head was tilted back, um, the blood had gotten into my eyes. My eyes were burning. My whole face is covered in blood. And he grabs me by my shirt, lifts me up on my feet, and he starts slapping me. His hands are covered in blood, my blood. And he's like, "Dude, do not fucking close your eyes." You you had been out. You fell out hard, and it fucking fell on the floor. And so, I fucking sit there, and he's fucking staring at me, and it, he's making sure I don't fall out again. He gives me a meth pipe, and I start smoking meth to try and stay awake. He stayed with me all night, and. We played uh, video games all night. 
And he just kept, and he, he was doing a shit job of playing video games because he's literally staring at me, making sure I don't fall out. And he looks scared shitless. You know, every person that's been around me um, who's seen me overdose, if I talk to them after the fact, they talk about the experience like it's horrible for them, like so traumatizing for them. Every person I've known that's seen me overdose, they they describe the experience to me like it fucked with them on a really deep personal level. And I feel horrible for putting anyone through that situation where I almost died in front of them and they had to revive me and save my life. And I'm internally grateful for those who, who did save my life because I should be dead. After all the crazy shit I've done, and have gone through, not just with overdose, but but especially with overdose. I should be dead right now. I shouldn't even be talking into this mic to all of you. Funny coincidence, I had already started the podcast at this time. And if you listen back to episode 13, I come clean about my relapses. And I'm, and I'm basically in tears. I'm crying. I'm talking about how my, you know, I'm, I don't, there's a lot I don't divulge in that podcast, but also during that time, I found out my dad was having some serious heart issues and he, I describe, you know, the, the health risks that my dad's going through. My youngest sister had a miscarriage. Um, a force, they had to have a force-induced miscarriage because she was, uh, oh my gosh, she was pregnant and the baby inside of her womb, its organs were forming outside the baby's body. So she was constantly getting testing and monitoring to see if the baby would survive childbirth. And after so much testing, they came to the conclusion that the baby, there's no way this baby's going to survive, so they had to terminate the pregnancy. So I was fucked up about that. I was fucked up about, you know, the heartbreak that I, and the falling out with this girl I really liked. I was fucked up over the traumatic experience with this weed deal that went wrong. And um, I, I hope one day I can I can talk about because it was really fucking dark and uh, I felt alone and abandoned and rejected and mainly alone felt like I had nobody to um nobody wanted to be around me and uh and that's what basically happened and uh so if you listen to that episode episode 13 Towards the end of the episode, after I'm crying and ranting, you can hear my dog barking. That's because my friend is pulling up to the front door to come in. And moments after that episode, I would use and relapse and get punched in the head repeatedly in the face (laughs) to get brought out of it. So that's like a staple in fucking history of moments after I recorded that episode and released it or uploaded it I almost died and that's the backstory behind that episode but anyway the next day 
my friend left, and I had other friends come over and um, spend the night. We smoked meth and shot heroin, and I still continued to use. I was scared shitless at this point, so I was like definitely dosing down my shots. They were trying to steal shit from my house, Uh, and I was trying to keep an eye on them. And I reached out to my friend, who I'm about to segue into an inter- about to segue an interview with him on this show, Scruffy Jones. You all know if you've heard episode five, you know Scruffy Jones. And I reach out to him, and I'm like, dude, I want to fucking die. I want to fucking end my life. I hate my life. I'm a fucking loser fuck up and I'm always going to be a fuck up I should just fucking end my life and he ends up coming over Scruffy Jones was in drug court with me and he had we had both graduated but I fell off hard and he managed to stay clean the whole time and he comes over he comes and sees me and I'm a fucking hot mess still have like scars and scabs on my face even though I'm on antibiotics we drive and get coffee we get the fucking people out of my house and we drop them off somewhere because he knows they're up to no good and we have a coffee and we talk about life and talk about solutions and ways I can get help and funny enough after that I got a lot of people reaching out to me and you know it convinced me to um to go get into inpatient you know, Dave from Dopey called me personally, and uh, he gave me a shit ton of tough love, but then became really caring and supportive and um, helped me make the decision to come here. Ryan was in rehab at the time, and I called him, the co-host of the show, and he gave me a lot of solid advice. My parents had already, during this time, of me using before she got super bad. But when I was still strung out, my parents had given me an intervention and they said, you can either go to inpatient or you need to get out of the house. And at the time I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, cause I had this job offer and I was like, I can take this job and get my own place. But after all that happened, I was like, what the fuck good is a job going to be? If um, I'm just going to fuck it all up again and get strung out again and relapse, I'll lose that job, I'll lose an apartment, and I'll be homeless. So I had lost enough wonderful things in my life that I knew if I continued down this road, I was going to lose more and more and more things that I would never get back. And so I wouldn't say I necessarily hit rock bottom. You know, I I have this thing, I always say this, but I don't think there is such a thing as rock bottom because no matter how far down you have sunk in with a drug addiction, especially one like this, no matter how far down or how much you've hit rock bottom or you think you've hit rock bottom, there's always six feet lower you can fall. I think the only way you actually hit rock bottom is when you're dead and you have no way 
of rebuilding your life again. That's rock bottom. So at this point, I, I had enough loving, caring people in my life reach out to me and help me make the decision to come to rehab because I had lost enough things in my life that I knew I was not willing to lose anything more. And, um, you know, since being here at Inpatient, I've come to learn a lot about myself and that all the people that I care about who don't want anything to do with me now, even though I'm 10 months clean, even though I'm trying to be a better person and admit to my mistakes, even though they have no want nothing to do with me, they're the losing those people in my life, like F girl from the foreign country, <laughs> uh, losing her and losing other people in my life and losing opportunities that helped me make the decision to come to a place where I can get the help I needed to recognize all the broken pieces inside of me that caused me to use drugs in the first place. So, fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry if that was a rant of a story. It, it's a really dark, it was probably one of the darkest periods of my life. And it was the last run I went on, the last overdose. And so for anyone listening, I don't want to ever, I want to, you know, really tie down the fact that everything, all those problems that surmounted during that time, they were all my doing. They were all my fault. And I wish I could make an amends to F-Girl because... I actually tried. I, I sent an email, an amends email, because when I was doing my ninth step and making amends, I had no way of contacting her. I don't know how where to mail a letter to her. I don't know where she lives. I don't know her address. I'm blocked on social media, so I thought, hey, I'll send an email. And I really wrote a heartfelt amends letter. And I know a lot of anyone who does make amends, like the... You, they say you're not supposed to do it through email or social media. Well, it's 2020, and I wanted to make the amends and put it behind me. Um, but, you know, I don't think she listens to the podcast, but if she did, I want to say I do apologize for the way I treated you, for being dishonest about my drug use and my relapses and my addiction. And I don't blame you for not believing anything I say, even the things that I was being honest about, you know? And I understand that her or other people don't ever want to have anything to do with me again because of the shit I put them through or make them feel uncomfortable or the shit I put my parents through. Like, fuck, dude, the shit I put my parents through was fucking horrible. You know, I could literally see it on my mom's face and eyes when she would look at me just fucking loaded and sucked up and just like my eyes were sunken in my skull. I had scabs on my face. I was a fucking wreck. So I don't blame the people who don't ever want to see or talk to me again or ever have any interactions with me again. I'm just grateful 
that I do have my family in my life still. I have a solid group of friends in my life right now. I have people in my life that help me get on the right track when I'm, you know, falling off emotionally or mentally. And I'm in a much better place now. I mean, fuck in, I don't know, in like three weeks, I do the graduation ceremony of this 12-month inpatient program. And then at the end of April, I'm done with this whole program and I'm going to sober living. Like, holy shit. I've definitely grown and changed a lot. I'm not perfect, but I'm definitely in a better direction and I've gained momentum and I'm building a life for myself now. But that's where I was before I came here to Impatient. And it's just crazy to even think or realize that I was even podcasting while this was going on, <laughs> you know? That's why, I mean, the, my, the early episodes, they don't get a lot of downloads, but if anyone wants to hear them, I, do, I come clean about relapses, come clean about, you know, crazy shit. Um, and I, I'm loaded in some of them and trying to keep it together. <laughs> so if you listen to these episodes kind of in order, you can see the amount of growth I've done. And uh, holy fuck, that's, uh, that's the last time I overdose happened exactly one year ago to this day on Wednesday, the fucking 19th of February. Hope you guys, I hope that wasn't too dark or I wasn't too scattered. And God, that just made just, I'm in a surreal mental state, even reliving that whole experience. But I did a recording with Scruffy Jones, who I just mentioned, who helped me when I was down on my luck, who, when I came back from my first Narcan overdose and went back to drug court and told him, he punched me in the chest so hard that I dropped my vape on the ground and I had fractured ribs, so that shit hurt. Like, this guy, even though he's, you know, way up north, I, when I was up on my last weekend pass, I hit him up and was like, hey, let's do a podcast. Because he recorded a story about a meth-induced psychosis he underwent and saw a decapitated head in the road. And we had recorded this story, I don't know, like way back in the day, but the audio quality sucked. Uh, like, I guess it was instead of recording through the mic, it was recording through the laptop mic. So it sounded like shit. So I was like, let's re-record that story. So a few weeks ago, I, we went and re I recorded it with him. And uh, so that's what I'm going to segue into. I may re I may release the, the first recording with the shitty audio quality one day, but I'm going to release this one. You get another war story. <laughs> you get a war story. You get a war story. Everyone gets... That was stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, you guys, it's a fucking 1139. What the fuck? I've been recording for over an hour. Okay. I love you guys. I have to go to bed and go to work tomorrow and fucking do midterms. And, oh, I have a group meeting tomorrow. I have fucking, I do, I'm super fucking busy. I'm way too fucking busy. <laughs> so anyway, 
I hope you're all doing good out there. Please, if you're listening, if you made it through this story, fucking I salute I fucking salute you because that was rough. But also, if you do listen and enjoy this fucking podcast, please leave an iTunes review or please send me an email telling me what you think about it. How do you think it can be better? What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? Anything. I don't care. I want to hear from you. Sleep. Um, so with that, I'm fucking out of here. I love you guys. Fucking hit me up. You know where I'm at. <laughs> In rehab. I have a phone now, though, so message me. Email me on Instagram. Brian on Galbert Facebook page. Nod Squad Facebook page. Twi- I'm on Twitter. My Twitter is fucking pitiful, but hey. I do what I can. That's all I can do. So with that, you guys... Love you, be safe, and as always, peace, love, and all the above. I mean, I got... I've been... I didn't get as fat as other people got fat, but it went to my cheeks mainly. But it's like cute, from what I've been told. You ain't fat. I don't see any extra. Except right there. Belly. Grab it. That ain't shit, dude. (laughs) I know. I'm the. But see, this is the thing. When I was gonna gain weight, I was like, thought I was gonna go to the ones and twos, the guns. But no, it goes straight to the belly. So I'm one of the few people that can be skinny and fat at the same time. Yeah. It's like the worst of both worlds. So I have a little alien belly with little arms. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about that. But it, I mean, I... So in women, fat goes to the arms. But in guys, it goes to like right here. In your Why the fuck is that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're recording and uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Good, you can't see my hand gesture. <laughs> so, we're gonna go... Your original alias, was it Scruffy Jones? Mm-hmm. Welcome back again. It's good to see you, sir. Always a pleasure. Um, yeah, you've been on once before. Back, back in the day when we were both in ADC. And a lot has changed. Yeah. And, um, first of all, what the fuck is up with this gated community that you live in? Like... Yeah. They have their own fire department. They have a golf course, uh, lake access. That's lakefront property or whatever. It's like the whole... And it's just gated off because they don't welcome outsiders, really. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like a a private, just a whole private community. Okay, so was that a selling point for you uh, when you were looking for... Because I remember last time you had had this weird, like... Um dome that you lived in that was cool mm-hmm. why'd you move out of there um i tried to get a uh, a, uh an emotional support animal and they evicted me the following day what yeah on big for smoking cigarettes they were just looking for a reason yeah <sighs> so let's do a recap i saw you la- last weekend pa- or yeah, last weekend past, you went with me to get my six-month ship, but the time I saw you before that was right before 
I was about to get into rehab, and I was a hot fucking mess, mm-hmm. and I was, I was at my house, my parents' house, and I was, I had some nefarious people over, it's and, an understatement. <laughs> yeah, right, and I was just getting loaded, letting them crash there, getting drugs, where I could and I think I messaged you and I was like I just want to die and you came over and uh it was I mean you probably walked in and you were just like what the fuck yeah no I just looked at your face and you're like something out of a fucking bad Tim Burton movie so like, <laughs> like oh oh I looked horrible yeah and uh yeah I let those people crash at my house and I literally was like all right here's the guest bedroom and then I was like, I was like, man, what am I doing? This is really stupid. And I could hear them like rummaging through the closet, trying to find shit to steal. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck? Like, the only thing you're going to find in there is like old shit from when I was in high school. Yeah. And then I literally was like, okay, well, I'm going to crash it because my parents were out of town. Fuck, I can't hope my mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Sorry, mom. But I literally crashed on the little couch chair in my parents room so they wouldn't go in their room and try and like steal my mom's coach bags or something and then they were like like what the fuck you thought we were gonna steal something and i didn't want i mean i was didn't say this but i was like uh yeah i thought you were and then i literally was like a a week later going over to their shady motel they were staying at to buy dope and the this girl's boyfriend is like reading all these Calvin, my Calvin and Hobbes books from like grade school. And I'm like, oh, you like Calvin and Hobbes too, huh? Like, uh, why does the initials say the initials on there that aren't your initials? And he's like, Ugh. And I was like, whatever. If that's all they got away with is stealing my Calvin and Hobbes books, and I really don't give a shit. Like, like have fun, I guess. But and yeah. then they tried to steal my car one day. And, uh, it, yeah, it, they get offended when you, uh, when you say, oh, you think we're stealing shit? And then they help you look for the shit that you just stole. Yeah. I'm like, dude, yes, you guys did steal from my house. So why, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not an idiot, but anyway. I mean, that's debatable. I mean, okay, yes, I am an idiot. But, I mean, I've gotten a little smarter, a little bit. I still make dumb choices, but they're not as dumb so you know what can I do live and you learn I mean I at least I have my looks you know yeah. that's all it's, it's gonna be my money maker one day anyway so I basically hit you up because we did a recording years ago and you told a really good fucking story and when I listened back Apparently the microphone wasn't hooked up, and I, we were recording through the mic in the laptop, and it sounded it terrible. It sounded terrible, and I was like, "Well, I I am willing to upload it, but I'd rather just do it all over again because it was a good story about psychosis and um, hallucinations, and uh, it's basically the story where you saw the severed head in the middle of the road." Staring yeah. at you? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into it. I have to hear this. Yeah, so... I'm going to start this off with... Uh, when I started getting into drugs uh, and growing up, I had a real fascination with psychedelic experiences. Uh, 
with like the concept of hallucinations, you know, uh, which s- sparked my curiosity about like LSD and mushrooms and did a lot of research into types of hallucinations and uh, and what of, they meant and stuff. Or? Yeah, and how they affected the brain, how they worked, you know, curiosity of like how they a person experiences those different types of hallucina- hallucinations. And uh, one interesting thing I was I can't remember I've been reading about something or other or whatever and it was like you know uh, brought up the concept of lack of sleep after 48 hours or so you tend to hallucinate uh, yeah which is curious you know I mean what what sort of it seems like a cheap thrill you know at that point like, <laughs> oh I just stay up for two days and I will hallucinate all right let's try this you were looking forward to this yeah I was I was I was literally literally trying to to do the thing, you know, I was like, it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, maybe a little foolish, sure, uh, but I'd been so. <clears throat> this is when I was like first starting to use meth too, which well, is, that'll help you hallucinate too. Yeah, which is, which is kind of funny that this experience is like early on in my meth experience, and I kept doing it. You know, like, <laughs> like here's your sign or whatever, but. uh yeah, so I was like, all right, let's fucking do this. And I'd been uh, bebopping around my hometown. Uh, Were you on the streets at this point? No. Couch I think, crashing? Or? I think I was couch surfing. It's a fun time. Yeah, I think I was couch surfing. Or like, yeah, or living out of my truck or something. I can't, I can't really remember. I was probably like 22 or something. 20, okay. 23. Just getting into to hard, hard pookies hard drugs. and... Reslamming at this point? No. Oh, nice. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. No. A little more innocent. <laughs> I guess, but uh, yeah. So I'd been uh, at the time I was selling drugs or whatever. Obvious, you know. That's how drug addicts make money most yeah, of the time. Exactly. Uh, and one of my good buddies hit me up, and I'd been, you know, I'd been up for like a full day, coming on to the night. And I went over to my buddy's house to sell him a sack of weed. And then as soon as I like left my buddy's house, I was like, all right, well, I'm like on that cusp or whatever. So I'm going to fucking do a bunch of meth and stay up a little bit longer to see how this, you know, I was like, I'm at that 48 hour mark or whatever. So you're smoking meth to intentionally try and make yourself hallucinate. Yeah, I was like smoking meth to stay up long enough to hallucinate. So it was like, it was like. Intending less on getting the, uh, which, whatever. It was, like, in, intending less on getting the, like, super fucked up on meth idea and more the, like, s- keep staying stimulated to stay awake. Yeah. Or whatever. Which, you know, hindsight or whatever. Obvious, you know, whatever. I got what I wanted. <laughs> you know? And so, it's like... <clears throat> So one of the interesting things when you have, so the type of hallucination that comes with like deep meth psychosis and lack of sleep and this interesting amalgamation of brain chemistry. Paranoia. It, yeah, is that it creates what's a, a form of hallucination that's called a delusion. And <laughs> yeah. the, the interesting thing about delusions is that unlike, uh, unlike a normal hallucination, at least this speaking from experience, I'm like a normal hallucination on like 
psychedelics, you know, like mushrooms or peyote or this or that, that are uh, really, like, you can sort of have this sense that you are, you can kind of differentiate what is a hallucination and what isn't to a degree, you know? So there's, like, a very clear line of, like, okay, I'm hallucinating, you know, that's the result of the hallucination or whatever. Yeah. And to a degree, you can sort of do that with delusions, but it's much harder to tell. So, like, what happens is, is, uh, is like, your mind begins to it, it take the pieces of your perception, and it tries to piece it back together, but it's, like, pieces it back together all wrong. But it, but it takes your own, uh, takes your own mind, it's, like, uh, in a figment of your own creation that is like imperceivable uh no that's not the word that is uh indiscernible from reality so it like takes reality and it it shifts shifts it to you know your perception is completely skewed it takes like it's difficult to uh to discern what is real and what is a hallucination yeah so i'll start off with that i know when i had a psychosis i thought that shit was real when i'd hear voices i mean the, the shadow people i was like okay that's a shadow person and I would just trip out on it. But when I would hear voices, I literally thought people were talking outside of my bedroom door. And yeah. I would constantly open the door and be like, who the fuck is talking outside of my room? And then I'd be like, oh. But then when it kicked back in again, I was convinced it was real. So it was just constantly like trying to convince myself that uh, my brain is tricking me into some bullshit. But I would keep going back into it. It's very, it's really challenging to like go through the night and not constantly think something is real when it's not right well and it's and it's sort of like you you like know it's probably not real but you don't really believe that yeah it's which is weird it's a weird thing you're like logically that probably isn't real but i still believe that it is like my brother once when i was in the middle of this psychosis thing he was like i was like freaking out or whatever this is a different different time but i was like freaking out He's, like, telling me something that, you know, this is the way it is. I'm, like, telling him some grand paranoid thing. And he's, like, no, that's that's not what's happening or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, like, I trust you. <laughs> I trust what you're saying is true, but I don't believe you. Yeah. You know, like, I don't believe it. Like, I, which is weird. There's a weird, it's a fine line, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a really fine line. And a lot of the times with, like... <clears throat> the way that lack of sleep uh, affects your brain uh, coupled with stimulants is that like your brain kind of starts eating away at itself it's not it's not healing yeah it's literally if you look at it it's like uh, your your body starts deteriorating it creates sort of uh, a pain in your body as well like all your aches and all this that or the other so it's doing a lot more damage than people give it credit for yeah actually uh, there's like if you don't sleep it has like losing one hour to four hours of sleep in one night has the effect on your heart of smoking a pack of cigarettes. What? Yeah, it's really terrible for you. Um, it's Holy shit. Really, uh, yeah, it's really bad for you. Um, and so what that kind of spawns is like you have a f you, your 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 conscious mind becomes fractured. You know, it becomes and your conscious mind is the thing that interprets situations and is the, the source of logic and is the source of reason and is the source of judgment. Yeah, you know? Exactly. And that kind of goes out the window. 
or whatever. And uh, your subconscious starts coming to the surface in a sort of waking dream state. And so what that can happen is like all your insecurities and fears manifest themselves into reality without the ability to filter out the truth, the reason, the logic, and the ration behind it. And so it kind of creates this, uh, this visual, auditory, physical sensation of your fears, you know, like manifests your fears and lets your mind go wild in weird, you know, usually subconscious places, like a bad dream. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I leave my buddy's house and I'll oh, mind you, I've lived in this neighborhood and I grew up in this town since I was like a kid. I was, you know, like I know absolutely I could walk the, I could walk across town in the dark drunk with my eyes closed and find my way to my homie's house or whatever. Yeah. I've seen it a million times, you know. And he uh, lived over by Laguna Lake. <clears throat> and so I'm leaving, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to realize, oh, fuck, you know, things are getting weird, <laughs> you know. I, I get this, you get this kind of like uh, fear and loathing in your sense around you, bones, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's like something is not right, you know, like as if somebody, as if something's watching you or. As yep. if something bad is about to happen, you know what I mean? It's just the, it's the epitome of fear. And uh, unlucky for me, I am on the like one little stretch of road where there's like no street lights, really. There's like this empty space. There's like go over a bridge on one, one side is a lake and a park with no street lights. And then on the other side is this like eucalyptus grove and a creek with no lights. And it's just like this, you know, 500 yard stretch without lights. Which, normally, whatever, I'm not scared of the dark as a normal human being or whatever, but it's just this this vast darkness that I'm, like, facing. And it is scaring the shit out of me. I'm like, what the fuck? And I start walking into it, and I hear something, you know? Probably just the fucking wind rustling in the trees, but I look over into this, like, grove of eucalyptus, and I swear to God, I'm like, what the fuck is that? It's like a creature looking at me you know what I mean and I'm like and unlike a regular hallucination you like can look away and look back and it's still there you know what I mean it's not like it's not like a figment thing you know so it's just just your brain turning whatever you're actually looking at completely into something it isn't but it looks exactly as you're perceiving it yeah and I'm like oh my god I'm being there's a fucking creature you know walk faster I'm like walking faster (laughs) Like, oh, God, like, I think that's probably not real, but I'm going to speed up, you know? Like, I don't, I don't want to find out, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and at this point, I'm, I'm like, I think I've made a mistake. <laughs> this I is think, not the hallucination you were aiming for. This is not the pleasant, fun type of hallucinating. I think this was a huge, huge mistake. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm walking down the road, and I look down the road, Another like 500 feet, starting to get into the regular streets, regular street lights, businesses, you know. And I look, and I'm like trying to focus, you know, like what the fuck is that in the middle of the road, you know? Like, and I'm like squinting, you know, and I walk closer, you know, and I'm still like, I'm, I'm telling you, I st- I started seeing it from like 300 yards away, Jeez. and so I'm like scoping it out the entire length that I'm walking that. And, and, and about maybe 150 yards away, I'm like, that's 
like a fucking head, like a, <laughs> a, a head sitting in the road, you know, like like it, a decapitated head, like just a yeah, a decapitated head sitting in the road, and it was like, uh, you know, and uh, it was like that old school, like early uh, American era, like George Washington, <laughs> Brent Franklin, sort of like a tired head and it had like the you know the the wig on the top <laughs> the powdered was like wig the powdered wig <laughs> and like a fucking what the fuck? yeah it was like full revolutionary <laughs> head just in the middle of the road and it was all white you know it was like a ghostly head but it looked i could like discern its features and completely or whatever like to the details of like the wrinkles on its fucking face and shit what the fuck right and so i'm like okay that's, I mean, I know that's probably not a head, you know, like, <laughs> but I, I'm like, okay, what the fuck am I turning that into that? You know, like, what am I looking at actually that I'm turning into that severed head? And so I'm, I keep walking and I'm like, eyes focused on the thing. And I walk up as I get like 20 feet away, it still looks like a fucking head to me. And I'm like, what in the fuck? And I like, not until I like am literally standing above it do I realize that it's just the like white strip of paint that marks a crosswalk and that was it it was just a strip of paint that was white that I turned into a a severed head and it didn't I didn't realize that until I'm literally walking over it right above it to where so when you're right over it it no longer becomes a head and it's just the dotted paint in the road. It was just one strip of paint in the road, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. But, like I said, I, I it was a head for 300 yards was, until I was directly over it. You was know? the head talking to you or anything, or... Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was, like, maybe I, I tripped out that it was, like, sh- like, shifting its gaze or something, but I don't know. That's That was... Th- that level of, of detail, I'm not sure, but it was weird, you know, obviously. Yeah. Um... And again, I'm just like, oh, man, this is interesting, you know? And I'm uh, <clears throat> and I'm walking down the road. And I'm looking down over this, the, over this overpass. And I see people walking towards me in this overpass. And I see, like, lights and stuff. And I can't tell where the sidewalk is or where the road is or who those people are or if they're real or if that's a car and a car like drives past me and I I, like was totally it was imperceptible to me from a distance and then it like whizzed past me and I'm like oh okay I'm tripping super hard and I keep walking over you know and I'm like okay this isn't really good and I'm like walking through this neighborhood and uh I like what I'm walking by like a row of bushes, a yard, and I fucking hear this fucking dog just boom rah, rah, from behind the fucking bush, like jumping at me, a fucking pit bull. And so I like jumped out of the fucking way into the street. Oh no. Like a dog was fucking going at me, and I looked back, and there's no fucking dog. You know? There's no fucking dog there. And I'm like, oh my god, I need to get off the street because one I'm gonna jump into traffic unintentionally of fucking trying to avoid a dog that doesn't exist you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm just gonna like I'm just I'm just gonna be walking and driving and get hit by a fucking car like yeah. at this point I'm like okay 
you know, some semblance of reason is kicking in, and I'm like, okay, you need to get the fucking doors or whatever. So my buddy doesn't live too far away, different friend. So I'm like, I'll just walk over there, tell them what's going on, you know, and they will let me stay because they're the homies and they will totally get it and probably laugh. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm, wa- I'm walking down the street and I picked a really bad route. Like, it was, of all the nights to, like, be paranoid and hallucinating at night in the dark, I picked a really bad route. So, like, my buddy lives down one road, stretch of road on South Higuera, way over by the DMV, literally lined for, like, the majority of the way with fucking graveyards. It's a cemetery. It's cemeteries, you know? So I'm, like, deciding to walk Is that through. the one by the DMV? Yeah. Oh, that one's fucking creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. It's there. It's just shit's dead in there. It's the, sh- don't just walk faster or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and I hear these footsteps like, behind me. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> and so I like, like, they're tromping behind me or whatever. And so I cross the street, you know, whatever. And then I hear footsteps again and I look back and there's just like a group of people walking down the street and it's probably some college kids walking back from the bars downtown or whatever in hindsight but I'm like convinced that they are trying to like run up on me you know what I mean they're like trying to rot they're trying to do something they're like they are a threat and the threat is how, real how far away are they from you? well I crossed the street so they were like mm, like 150 yards you know okay and, uh, and I'm walking, and I'm like, whatever, I'll just walk faster, I'm almost there, blah, 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 blah. And then I, like, hear this loud tromping behind me, and I just fucking book it. Pew! I'm like, fuck this noise, I'm booking it. And so I literally ran from there all the way to my homie's house, like, nonstop, did not even stop, just booked it. Fucking get me the fuck out of here. And, and got to my buddy's house and was like, Told them what was going on. They're like, what the fuck? It's like four in the morning or whatever, you know? And it's like, whatever, dude. I'm tripping balls, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, I need to go the fuck to sleep. And I'm pretty sure I just, if I remember correctly, I was just like, give me, I like drank beer and took a bunch of Xanax or whatever the fuck I had on hand to just go the fuck to sleep like a scared yeah. little boy about to wet his pants. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. And that's it? That's my first meth psychosis. Yeah. Wow. And then you woke up and you were good. I don't know if good. I don't know if I would just say it's good. Yeah, I wasn't uh, dodging figments of my imagination. (laughs) How many times have you had a psychosis in your life? Um, So the way, like, I wouldn't even actually like describe it as how many times is. I would describe it as like how many weeks. Throughout my life, have I been in a state of psychosis, and that's months. Like I, I started doing enough meth and not sleeping to where I can honestly say that I was completely out of my shit for months at a time. And do you feel like, wow, that's fucking insane to me? How do you still like when you were like when you were in ADC and getting clean? Did you feel the effects of that wear off, like or the fog? kind of like slowly dis- like dissipate or well, so 
the last time I came on, I told you that story about how I went to jail. Oh yeah, the kung fu fighter. Right. Well, that was that was essentially a couple months into me not using meth anymore, and then I was in jail for six months after that. Yeah. And in, in you know in the mental hospital or whatever. Yeah. Before I even got into ADC. So like that period of eight months or whatever was when I started to like not when I started to have rash be more rational and didn't have the same effects of like hallucinating or sort of out of touch with reality or like a tendency towards delusion it took like nine months and so like by the time I made it into ADC I wasn't I was more level headed but I was like just super depressed like my brain my my brain was burnt you know I was still depleted of all the chemicals yeah um yeah, I'll never forget when I first met you in ADC. It was so, so... I mean, now, like, it seems like so long ago, but I still remember it. Like, you were definitely still, like, in a weird semi-depression. Like, you could tell from your body language and everything. Like, you were... You know, like, I don't want to be here. This sucks. Fuck all of you. Yeah, fuck all of you. <laughs> fuck the government. Fuck everything. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, but you, but you got out of ADC and you've been clean ever since graduation. Mm-hmm. So how much, you have like through what, three years clean time almost or more? What fucking year is it? It's, not, it's 2020, 2020 now. Yeah, like two or three. So, I mean. So I only had like a year when I graduated though, because I, I think I had a relapse. In, yeah. Well, Kratom. Yeah. But do you. They, I did a lot of too. They just didn't catch me. <laughs> what, you did? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I did too. Which is like part of why I self-admitted, you know, because I've like gotten away with it. But you self-admitted for the Kratom. For the Kratom, not the lie. <laughs> but I gave him something, okay? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know about that. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I did Dilaudid too in ADC. It was crazy. I fucking... Our mutual friend had him. And I was like, give me some. I have money. And I was at work and I was crushing them and slamming them. And then I went to hang out with my girlfriend at the time. You remember. Yeah, to eye roll. Um, and she was loaded. But I I mean, I, I mean, I already know she's loaded. Like, it's like no secret. But I'm trying to keep it from her that I'm loaded. And she's convinced that I'm loaded. And I'm like, no. Like, what the fuck? And we ended up going to the movies. We saw that movie Get Out in the theater. And, God, it was so bizarre, yeah. And I somehow got away with that, too. I don't know what the fuck was wrong with me. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was fucked. And it was actually, and not only that, there was... I might as well spill the beans now. There was a lot of times towards the end of ADC that I just had a lockbox full of drugs in a storage unit... And around Thanksgiving, Ryan and I both relapsed. And I was like, somehow I was able to just, I was like, all right, three-day weekend, let's do this, do an issue, lock it away from myself, put it down. And I got away with that at least several times. Yeah. I don't know if you were aware of that or... Yeah, no, I... I, Yeah. (laughs) It was those three-day weekends. Yeah, it was the holidays. And then that was right around the time when... Ryan was just like, fuck it. 
and we went on the run. It got it got bad. So I felt a little guilty about that. Um, I, not a little. I felt a lot of guilty about that. But then there was one day I fuck, dude. Because I mean, my tolerance would go back down to zero, and then I would do an issue, and I would just be out of my mind. Like, and I remember I was doing catering for um, another mutual friend in the program, and I thought, oh yeah, I can do an issue and go doing this catering gig, and I showed up there just so loaded, out of my mind, and I just lied out of my fucking skull, like, oh, uh, I'm sick, or, you know, I, I don't even know what I said, but they're like, yeah, just go home. She calls our counselor, and is like, he's fucked up. So, on Monday, I'm back at my regular job, I'm like, doing something in the kitchen, and we get a call from my counselor, and he's like, I was like, what's up? And he's like, well, I need you to test right now. And I just was like, oh, fuck. Like, that's not Count, good. Counting the hours? How many hours? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, looking on the internet, Googling, like, how long does this stay in your system? Checking forums. Like, what can I do? And so, I mean, it was goofball. So it's like, well, I'm pretty much not going to risk coming in and taking a random at that point. Like, so I immediately was on my feet. I was like, well, I'm in the ER right now. And, uh, you know, I had a bad reaction. I'm, I was allergic to these antibiotics and I'm throwing up. So, and he's like, all right, we'll just come in afterwards or just, I'll see you afterwards or something. I don't even remember. I just, from, I took it as, oh, I don't have to test that day. He's like, he's like, bring us your paperwork. So then I get back and I give him my paperwork and they're like, well, yeah, you were supposed to test and come in and test after you got out of the ER. And I was like, you didn't tell me that. You guys are lying to me or whatever. You know, like... Whatever bullshit. Yeah. Or I was just like, you guys are corrupt. Like, trying to keep me down, man. And so then I ended up having to do a... I was like a week... Uh, not a weekend. I think I did two days in, as a sanction. But I was like, I'm gonna... I'd rather take the two-day sanction than have to fucking self-admit or test dirty fast track all the way to the beginning and fucking do seven days in jail. I was like, fuck that. And, um, yeah, I did that a few times. I think there was a few times I I went to the ER, faked an injury just to get medical papers to get out of testing. I did that at least two or three times. Yeah, so, so did a lot of people. I know. Uh, and you know what? I ran into someone who graduated and apparently they don't even give sanctions anymore for dirty tests anymore not towards the beginning not at the beginning but they give sanctions towards the end now, when you're like when you've like been clean for a minute in, yeah. like in the later phases yeah they totally reformatted the whole the whole shit like yeah I was like well what the fuck but I don't know it's a fucking it's a, they're kind of beta testing that. It's, it is what it is. But I, I did a shit ton of sanctions. And when you're doing 48 hours for a sanction, they don't fucking house you. So you're literally in a holding cell all night. Just hating life. Turn yourself in on Friday. They bring all the fucking drunk and loaded people in. And you're just stuck around them. And you're just spending the night in a cold holding cell. No blanket. No pillow. I, or actually, no, they gave us blankets towards the end. But yeah, I li- get a toilet paper pillow. Yeah, toilet... Oh, dude, I would rush to that toilet paper pillow. 
Because, yeah, there's no regular pillows anyway. Even when you're housed, there's no pillows. Um, so when you got out of ADC, like, where was your head at? Like, were you, like... Because, honestly, a lot of people went back... A lot of people that we know went back out immediately. I know I did. I left the courtroom, went straight to my storage unit, and was back at it again. Um, but, like, wh where you, like... <clears throat> I was still... I was, I did not want to use at all. Like I, I mean, want is a is a weird word to use. Like I had cravings to use, but I didn't want to use again because it actually like it was to the point where it it, it frightened me, the thought of me losing control, picking up a sack and using to, it like really brought a visceral uh, fear of psychosis in because I mean I had been through. Like, at that point, so all of the trauma of my psychosis had been sort of cemented and implanted to where I had processed all of the, like, suffering that was... Self-inflicted? Self, exactly. And it, yeah. was, and it was immeasurable, innumerable, immense, you know? Like it's, it, like, it's traumas for lifetimes, you know? Like, a normal person doesn't experience that much trauma in their mind, in their body, in their whatever, in an entire lifetime, so... I, was, I mean, without chemical enhancements. Right, like a normal person. Yeah. Like a normal, everyday person doesn't doesn't go through that, you know. Uh, and so I had PTSD. I still sort of do, but... Yeah, me too. I have PTSD about it, so... Um, so, yeah, I was, like, pretty, you know... I mean, pretty much, like, I really don't want to use. Like, I, I, I was... Like, about staying clean. But I, you know, I'd basically been enslaved against my will for six months. That was a terrible experience in jail. And was fucking mad about it. You know what I mean? Like Mad at the system. Mad at it all. Yeah, like, fucking... It, there, it was... And my life was in fucking absolute shambles. It was shit. You know, I didn't have a fucking ID. I didn't... I was fucking... Barely had a place to stay. I still, you know, I was fucking... Walking, biking, busing, fucking every day to these fucking classes in the freezing cold and the fucking, I remember you that. know, like don't have money for like food or snacks, you know, like I got main, like main food, you know, like whatever. You fucking feel like shit, you know, coming in. You're coming out of jail, you feel shitty and whatever, you know. So your, your whole deal was, I don't ever want to, you kind of like, I don't want, I don't want to say play the tape. I hate that fucking word, but you were like knowing how bad it was going to get if you went back. So, like, what... Did you make a plan in aftercare, or what What did you do? I mean, I just knew that I needed to do my fucking best to do whatever the fuck the program was saying. Just to, I had, like, given up fighting the system in that sense, and I was just going to fucking, you know, be as good of a little boy as I could be to fucking get out of these handcuffs. Because when you're in, like, ADC... You know, it, there's, it gives you like, people like it. You're not free. You know what I mean? You're you're not free still. They still have invisible fucking handcuffs on you that if you fuck up, they just materialize. Like, <laughs> Asses back in jail. You yep. know what I mean? Like it's fucking, you're not free. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. I mean, you can't even leave the fucking County. city. Yeah. You know. Without without. Yeah, you can barely even leave your fucking house without. Telling someone or someone being about, you know what I mean? So you're not free. So They could show up at any time and just fucking... Yeah, clip you up for whatever. Yeah. 
So I was like, I'm going to try to do my best. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do, but I'm going to do my best and I'm, I just am not going to fucking get loaded. Like, I'm going to do whatever I can to not get loaded. That was it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, that was it. One day at a fucking time, I'm going to fucking just try not to get loaded and try to do whatever the fuck I can. As far as a plan, that was it. That was just, for the first few months, that was, I didn't have a plan. It was just do whatever the fuck was next. And what and what helped you with that? I mean, obviously, like... See, the program for me, it was very different than the program I'm in now. The program I'm in now, it's like 12 steps, meeting, sponsor, commitments. This was like kind of like an offshoot of that in ADC, but it was like, yeah, groups, but like the steps out of the MRT book or stuff like that. Did you just say, I'm going to just dive into the fellowship and this and that? or? Yeah, I mean, I, I went to ton of meetings and I was like I'm gonna fucking just like brainwash the shit out of myself in whatever way I can you know what I mean as long as it keeps you as long as it keeps me sober whatever and uh, and just trying to take suggestions whatever the fucking suggestions was doing whatever the work was that was possible and reaching out as much as possible and just like voicing shit that was going on for me like just doing the doing the whole thing taking suggestions I mean, I went to meetings all the time. I lived, you know, I, and you sort of like pick up tips when you're when you're sitting in meetings and hearing people little nugs of wisdom. Yeah. So, so what about today? Like now, you're doing great. You're living out in like this fucking protected commune, sort of speak, and you're fucking working. You got your little, you got hobbies and stuff. But it's like, do you like because I. My goal is to get to somewhere resemblance of where you're at now. Mm-hmm. So what do you still find that you need to do all those things? Or like what do you still have cravings? Like what is that like? Um I mean I don't really have like intense cravings anymore. Like I I do have like I do have those moments where I think and I want, you know what I mean? Where it's like where just reflexively I'm like, oh, that would be fucking great right now, you know, or whatever. Like, then when that happens, how do you break out of that? I just tell myself, well, behaviors, and I'm just like, that's not, and you know, I'm just, I just have to tell myself like, that's, it's just ingrained into my identity now that I don't. That it's but you not snap for me. out of it and you look at yeah, the that it's picture. just temporary. You know, you gotta like, just accept that that's not, that's you just kind of accept that that's a thought, not. A dis- not the decision, you know. Like there's a difference between thinking about it, and wanting it, and, and Pl- actively planning it. it. Yeah. Right. Um, do you think that? I mean, do you think people like us will have to deal with that for the rest of our life? I do, one hundred percent. But it gets you like, like I said, because I've been saying no to it so much. It does. It isn't like an intense feeling anymore. It's not like a. It's not like an intense craving where like I fucking need it. You know. It's like. A thought that comes through my head that is like uh, this is a possible route you know like it's like ingrained in me but it doesn't have as much it's not I'm not as compelled to do it you know because my brain has been out of that for well you've taken practice to like snap out of that emotional like feeling for so many times I'm sure it's like you've built up like muscle memory to it yeah that's cool yeah I mean all day every day for you know whatever it's like you have to deal with it all the time 
And now you are in situations where you might be around someone loaded. I mean, you go to yeah, festivals, totally. you do like fire breathing. Yeah, you went to Burt. Oh, dude, what was that like? It was great. It was uh, also a lot of fucking work, and it was exhausting. But there was a bunch of cool shit happening, but it was also very exhausting, yeah. Did it feel weird being around people loaded there, or was that just no. like... I mean, it's... Uh, Spend a lot of time around people that are loaded, you know? But, so. you, but back then you're getting loaded with them. Or right, right. being loaded while they're loaded on various things. Right. So, so like, the people I'm hanging out with, like, they don't, they're not doing meth. They're not doing fucking heroin, you know? Like, they're if somebody, doing psychedelics. And yeah, they're doing whatever party drugs, you know? Like I'm sure if, that's If somebody was, like, trigger. if I walked in on somebody fucking hitting the foil and fucking rolling some heroin down in it or whatever, I would, that would, I'd, I would immediately have to be, like, get I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, but the other stuff, I'm like, meh, whatever. You're like that's all you guys. Like you do you. Like I'm not gonna have fun. That's not gonna. That's not gonna be fun for me or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it sounds good, but I'm like seeing the like, you know, like cocaine. I don't really have a calling to that anymore because it f- wasn't fun for me anymore yeah. after doing so much of it. You know, it just made me uncomfortable. And then like all these other drugs, you know, it's like there was plenty of times where again, it's like it's a thought, but it was just like it's not an option. Yeah, and I'm sure even psychedelics have a whole different... You have a whole different standpoint on it now because it's like... It's a commitment, and I had responsibilities. You know, like when you're doing some drugs like acid or all of those things, it's a a whole day commitment to being in a, you know, less able mindset. And that's something you just don't have anymore. You're busy, you're working, you're doing all this shit, so... Yeah, and it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like... I don't like feeling... I like... I, I like the feeling of being in control, and I don't out of control yeah that's that's what I've noticed from a lot of people who I've seen relapse and then come back into the meetings they're like yeah I thought I could just do marijuana maintenance or this or that and when I did it I was just uncomfortable and I didn't like it and then by then you're already feeling like a piece of shit for giving into something and it not being good and then you just say fuck it at that point and then you go on a little run and try other things and well maybe this will fill the void or that fill the void and that's kind of like where I'm at now where it's like I, I think if anything I don't get cravings I mean I do get cravings but I think the one thing I think about is like oh it would be nice if I was able to smoke weed right but at the same time then I'm thinking okay well I can't take the risk if that's gonna lead me to fucking shooting heroin again plus everyone I know who's gone into recovery done all the steps once they smoke weed, they get super paranoid, and then they just don't like it. And then they're stuck in their head, and they're feeling yeah, weird and uncomfortable, and it's, it's just like... It's no fun. Even if I do too much caffeine, I don't feel good. I feel uncomfortable. I get... Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah. So, I mean, I even have to regulate that, or regulate social media, because then I'm just like stuck in my head about other dumb shit. Like, oh, look how cool this person's life is. I'm a loser in yeah. rehab. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, that's fucking fake shit. And uh, they're not revealing all the shit they're going through. It's all surface value bullshit. So it's fucking weird. I, I am constantly seeing... Because like, I'm at nine months now, clean. So applause to, applause to me. But it's like... I see my addictive nature coming out when now it's like, oh, I can be in a relationship now. And then I go on a date and I'm like, oh, see... Now I'm trying to like fill that void with something else like sex or this or that or or fucking vaping for fuck's sake or stupid energy drinks that everyone seems to be hooked on. Um, Me too. Yeah, bangs. 
Yeah, I try to I try to limit it, but I'm I'm still addicted to caffeine. Well, see, you know what I did is I bought some natural caffeine pills because I don't like those energy drinks anymore. They're just too fucking gnarly. Yeah. So I just will like or coffee, but it's like I thought that would be the best thing right now, but yeah, it's weird. Anyway, uh, I gotta get the fuck out of here soon. So, um. I gotta drive all the way back home. Yay! Yeah, back to rehab. It's so fucked because I'll be out having fun, living life, and then I drive back into a rehab that's next to a homeless shelter, and I'm like, "That's right, I fucked up." (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. But anyway, what do you want to say to everyone listening right now about anything? Instilling last words of wisdom. Uh. Fuck if I know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. My my whole thing is is like, whenever I get in weird funks or I'm starting to think negatively or I'm like having cravings or thoughts, all I try to do, I, and I really try to do this, is focus on whatever the solution is. You know, like focus on moving forward. You know, if it's in the past, I try to remind myself like that's the past. Let it be in the past. You know, if you're tripping about the future, like all right, that's hasn't happened yet. What can we do now or whatever, you know, just kind of trying to like redirect. Live in the moment. Yeah, I mean, or at least just be, practice some self-awareness to where, and mindfulness to where you're like aware of the thoughts and feelings that are coming into your head and instead of just being like driven by them, you know, you can sort of choose to accept or reject them as they come up as opposed to just... Live in acceptance, don't build expectations. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, like, that's, that's like, ideally, sure, you know, you know, don't, don't have expectations, da 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 but that shit is just natural, it's how the, it's how that works, you know, like, you don't, you can't completely fucking, you know, be totally unattached, unless you're some fucking Buddhist monk. Yeah, know? no, I know, I, I still, it sucks because I still see, sometimes I'll, I'll, I, th- I talked about this before, but I'll look at old posts or this or that, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a regretful moment. Oh, I'm fucking freaked out about this in the future, and I and I catch myself doing that all the time, but I'm thinking, that dude, that's early recovery shit, so it's like, I literally, I, I get, I, I've been doing the same thing, getting brainwashed with recovery shit constantly, so I'm like, oh, give up control, oh, I don't know how you feel about higher power or spirituality in that aspect but I mean whatever I, I know that if things work out they they things just will work out if you let them if you like follow the next right indicated thing you know what I mean if you like let go to a degree and focus on what is within your control and try to accept the situation as it is and not try to ruminate on the situation and just try to be a part of the solution just, you know, you know, they always say that shit. Being a solution, not the fucking problem. Good shit. Alright, guys. Well, I'm I'm out of here. Uh thank you for letting me come into your humble abode. Um, I'll hit you up next time I'm in town. Sounds good, brother. Alright.
It's just the fucking beginning, motherfucker. Fucking beginning, motherfucker.